0: greetings brethren it 's really good to be with here to, uh, with you today, Mr. Armstrong, uh, in the years when he was teaching god 's Word very, very powerfully, would on occasion repeat particular subjects. Uh, there was the two trees, certainly god 's government, and that many in the church were not converted. Now, when we heard these sermons, we didn 't always understand why did he repeat them. Uh, often uh, throughout those particular years. And yet, after the fact, we learn why these subjects were important. In fact, major importance. Now, Mr. Meredith has emphasized asking God to grant us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When God inspires the leaders of his church to talk of a subject several times over, in ca- some cases, many times over, we should pay attention. Because, again, these are things that God wants us to really understand and to take to heart. But when we talk about the gifts of God's Spirit, what are we asking for? When Mr. Merrill asks us to pray and fast for them, exactly what are we asking God to provide for us? How would they actually translate into action in the church of God? We know that God has given gifts and ability as the apostle James mentioned every good gift every perfect gift comes from above and so we do have members talented in many special human gifts in the case of music some provide wonderful special music and God has given them a special ability to move people through their songs through their instruments Uh, we know individuals have the gift of particular speech And they are powerful speakers. Others have the gift of organization. Others have other particular uh, skills in writing or in construction, building, and creating. But the gifts that we're talking about is really over and beyond these common gifts to humankind. We are talking uh, gifts that are given in the supernatural realm, over and beyond. Uh, what is humanly possible. Now, why does the church need such gifts? And how would these gifts be used? And how would we recognize them in the church of God? Well, that's what I want to discuss uh, today in this particular sermon, the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's discuss a little bit the purpose of these gifts. Now, these gifts are not for our entertainment Uh, or to promote ourselves, uh, the gifts have a very special reason and calling. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, let's begin uh, with Jesus Christ. Jesus went about all Galilee, and He was teaching in their synagogues. But what was He teaching? He was teaching the gospel, that is the good news, of the kingdom of God. And note As he was preaching this, he was also healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria, and then they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those uh, who were demon-possessed epileptics. He healed them all, including those paralytics. Great multitudes followed Him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond uh, the Jordan. So, brethren, what we see here is a connection. As God preached, as Jesus preached the good news of that coming kingdom of God, He was also showing power that emanates from that kingdom, the ability to heal, to be able to, uh, to comfort, to get rid of the torments that people were suffering from in various disease and uh, demon-possessed circumstances and so on. And God had power to heal and to give those individuals that healing relief. We go to Luke because it wasn't just Jesus Christ. We're going to see a pattern. In the book of Luke, uh, chapter 10, uh, we find that Jesus Christ sent uh, not just the 12 apostles, but there were 70 others that uh, Jesus Christ appointed. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now, what did Jesus Christ give them authority to do? Verse 9, it says that they are to heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come to you. So again, we see a connection. Uh, the gifts had to do to back up the message of the coming kingdom of God. And God gave them the authority to, to do that. He gave them the power of God's Spirit to, to accomplish that mission. And so when they came back, it says the seven returned, verse 17, uh, with, with joy. They were amazed at what they could do with God's authority and power. And saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to to us in your name. And so we begin to realize that there is this, again, connection between the preaching of the gospel and the healings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16. Again, fabulous examples. And these are historical records of what happened in the church of God mark chapter 16 let's go to verse 14 to begin with later he that is jesus appeared in the uh, to the se- uh, 11 excuse me as they sat at a table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and then he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Those whom God had granted repentance and responded to God's repentance, rebaptized and entered in as a first fruit of God, a begotten child of God. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That is judged. In other words, depending on their knowledge, depending on uh, their understanding and how they responded, uh, there would be an accountability. And so we all stand before the judgment seat of God on this matter. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. And they will speak with new tongues or languages. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. And so, again, we see the preaching of the gospel throughout all the world, uh, the conversion of human beings as God calls them, and connected with this are the healings and miracles that come from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, we are all very familiar with the account in the book of Acts, where, again, God's Spirit is poured out with power and Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. What were they speaking? Uh, What were the individuals they were speaking to getting out of this, this tremendous miracle? Well, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? They shouldn't be able to speak our languages. They're not trained in that. So how is it that we, in, again, each in our own language, uh, in which we were born, that we're you know, hearing what what uh, is coming from the mouths of these individuals? You know, a miracle in the hearing, a miracle in the speaking. And again, we're talking about Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, Uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and notice this, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And As you go through the book of Second Acts, we realize it had to do with the kingdom of God and what God was doing in calling individuals to be part of that uh, kingdom as they were baptized and converted and began to be changed by the Holy Spirit in preparation uh, for that kingdom when Christ would return and they would be resurrected. And so we see, again, all through the Bible, there is a connection between the preaching of the gospel, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and establishing, you know, who are the representatives of the Almighty God. Now, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? They're mentioned in two places primarily as far as lists, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, book of Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Now, uh, these two lists vary somewhat, and uh, you can take the uh, epistles class at Living University, and they'll explain uh, some of the differences and why there are differences there. But in Revel- uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul says, For I say through the grace given to me, uh, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So we find that, first of all, humility is very important. That we realize that we should not be self-oriented. We should be teachable, responsive to God. And as He gives these special gifts, then we can use them properly. He goes on to say, "...as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function." So, we being many are one body unto Christ or in Christ and individually members of one another. We each have our responsibilities. We each have our roles to play in the church of God. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, again, let us use them. That's the emphasis. That as God grants these gifts, we use them. But for what purpose? He says, if prophecy, and that can mean inspired preaching, and there are individuals that we know through the years that we have heard, and again, they truly move us by how and what they speak. Uh, It can also secondarily mean to foretell the future. But in this context, it's primarily talking about, again, inspired preaching. And he says, let us do this in proportion uh, to our faith. So if that is what we are called to as a minister of God or as an elder or given opportunity and appointed to speak in the church of God, then we do it with all of our might and heart and we use that gift Uh, or in ministry or in serving. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts or admonishes in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These are all special gifts that come about not from our own human personalities, but through the power of God's Spirit. Now, there is another list mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter... uh, Let's go to chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see this list differs somewhat in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go to verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. God put this in his scriptures. God wants us to understand the power that he gives his ministry and his church. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to uh, these uh, dumb idols, uh, however, you were led. Again, Gentiles simply means the others. There were you know, Israel, whom God revealed special knowledge. And then there were the other nations God had not yet dealt with. And uh, so they did not understand the true God, but they were involved in uh, the, the paganism and the idols of their religions. Uh, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking in the Spirit, or by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are individuals who call Jesus Lord, but they don't really understand what they're saying. They don't mean it. Uh, They don't grasp the enormity of it. But with the Holy Spirit, we do. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Again, this is very important. Uh, God is not the author of confusion, but this is in harmony with the mind and spirit of God. There are differences of ministries or ways of service. We're not talking about different churches established. We're talking about within the body of Christ. There are different services that God has us to has has us to do. Uh, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. Who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by that same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by that same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy or inspired preaching to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues or languages another the interpretation of these languages but one spirit uh, but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each individually as he wills as God wills now again as these two lists between Romans and 12 Uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 might differ Uh, but in reality in practical function uh, these gifts often go together. For example in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of wisdom but you know that wisdom is also needed in ministry or serving, in teaching, in exhortation or admonishing, in giving, in leading, in showing mercy. Uh, wisdom has to be combined with, with those kind of gifts. If we're talking about knowledge, well, certainly knowledge is important in inspired preaching or in foretelling. It's critical in teaching, it's critical in leadership, it's critical in exhortation. And faith, again, it goes through all of these gifts. You know, it takes faith, absolute confidence in God, to prophesy, to give, to exhort to show mercy, to lead, to heal, to perform miracles, to discern spirits, uh, to have these gifts of languages. That is an overriding quality of faith that is through all of those gifts. Of course, you have the gift of healing. And that takes, obviously, faith. And that's a way that in the ministry we serve, by anointing. And uh, hopefully later on, where we can simply say, you know, rise up and walk. And people will be healed of their affliction. Uh, but certainly in teaching, because you know, how often did Christ use healing as a form of showing that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Again, f- the gifts of healing in regard to exhortation and giving and mercy. Certainly mercy is a form of, of healing here. And then you have prophecy and discerning of spirits and different kinds of languages, interpretation of languages. And you find, again, you, you, you add the wisdom, and you add uh, the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they, they seem to combine. And these gifts are all in harmony with the plan and purposes of Almighty God. Uh, just a few more examples before we go into the uh, practical uh, examples of how they were used in the church of God. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 32 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32, Uh, we see here the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. So, we find that the spirit doesn't just possess and take over a prophet or an individual whom gifts are given, but the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, You know, we use them according to God's will and purposes. Again, this is not a confusing uh, way of doing things. God is the author of peace and of order. But he says that, that all things be done decently and in order in verse 40. And so, again, we find that there, there is a harmony in the use of these gifts. There is a purpose. In 1 Corinthians 13, we also find that these gifts are used with outgoing concern love of God, love of neighbor. You know, love is the keeping of the commandments. Uh, love is outflowing concern. And notice what Paul says in First Corinthians 13 verse 1, though I speak with the languages of men and of angels, if I have that special gift yet have not love, I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's really meaningless unless we are in harmony with the very mind and nature of God. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, these would be gifts of the Holy Spirit. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. So as we begin to see that the gifts have to be used with the mind and nature and character of God, they are in harmony with the overall purposes and will of God. and in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, we find that they are very important to how God works with the brethren, uh, through the government and ministry of God. Again, he, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter four and verse seven. The Apostle Paul is writing here, he says, To each one of us, grace or gift was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then he emphasizes, you know, this Jesus Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captive, uh, captivity captive and gave gifts to man. And now this, he ascended, what does it mean first? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Now, Paul's describing how Christ came to this earth, you know, died for our sins, uh, was buried three days and three nights, and then ascended to heaven to be at the right hand of God. And he is above all that uh, he might feel all things. Uh, he is the head of the church, and God gives gifts to his body, his, his ministry, his church. And he himself gave some to be Apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But God didn't appoint individuals to have these particular roles without giving them the ability to fulfill them. How does an apostle fulfill all those mighty and heavy and burdensome responsibilities? God gives power to do that. How is someone an evangelist, I mean, really speaking and preaching the kingdom of God uh, powerfully to uh, to a lot of people, different nations, different cultures. God gives that individual the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. How does one pastor, You know, how does one fulfill all these different roles? And certainly that filters down not just in ministry, but as God's people. And how do we function? How are we able to do our parts in the church of God? Well, God doesn't appoint us to these responsibilities and then not give us power and authority to do them. And so this has to do with the and spiritual gifts now let's see the practical example how how do these gifts really work in the world in which we live let's begin with wisdom we'll take uh, maybe more toward the uh, list in 1 Corinthians 12 but we'll see how all of these things come together Uh, we'll start with, with wisdom let's go to Acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 6 we find there, as the church multiplied, there were some challenges, some difficulties. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples w- was multiplying, there arose a a, a uh, number, uh, or excuse me, a, a uh, complaint, a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So there was some language differences, some cultural differences. Uh, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, this wasn't a deliberate neglect. Just as sometimes when the church is multiplying, brethren come in, uh, problems arise. How do we handle this growth? How do we serve the needs of God's people? And so here were the leaders in the church of God, the 12 apostles. Uh, How do they solve this problem? Well, God gave them wisdom then the twelve summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, you know, it's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. It wasn't they weren't concerned with the widows. You know, they were willing, I'm sure, as, as every minister in the church of God, be willing to roll up their sleeves and help in whatever, you know, abilities that we could use to help the brethren. You know, we'd be willing to clean bathrooms and to uh, maybe help uh, roof the uh, widows' houses as we would have time and ability, these kind of things. But what they were saying, you know, God gave them a special commission. They were to go into all the world. They were to preach the gospel as a witness. They had a great responsibility to preach the words of Jesus Christ as they heard and as they remembered and, and was reminded by the Holy Spirit to communicate that in a very special way. And they couldn't do that plus do all the other uh, jobs that were required here. And so, in this leadership, they needed wisdom. What do they do? Well, it says that we, uh, therefore, brethren, uh, you uh, seek out among you seven men of good reputation. You know, they had the wisdom to remember what the Proverbs said, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And so, they sought the uh, knowledge and wisdom of others in this matter. And they said, we we want seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we we may appoint over this business. Notice they wanted these leaders to have wisdom. Now, they were to help the widows. They were to serve tables. They were to help with the physical functions of the church. And he said, they also need wisdom if they're going to be leaders. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word by dividing those responsibilities then more could be done well the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit so again notice that many of these gifts combine here and Philip uh, Prochorus Nicanor Timon Parmenas Nicholas a proselyte from Antioch uh, whom they set before the Apostles and when they the, the Apostles had prayed Uh, You know, these apostles laid hands on them. They ordained them to this responsibility. And as a result of the wisdom that God had given the apostles to make this decision, it says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient uh, to the faith. So that's just one example, the practical application of wisdom as he gave the apostles and as others were added to responsibilities. Uh, We can pray for that. You know, that's what James talks about that, you know, if if any lack wisdom, you know, we will pray and God will answer, but we have to pray in faith, believing that God will give and God will do that. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to have that kind of wisdom in leadership. Another Aspect of a gift of Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit is knowledge. Let's go back to the book of Acts the book of Acts chapter two and verse fourteen. How does the gift of of uh, knowledge translate to the uh, Church of God in a practical way? Well in Acts chapter two and verse fourteen, it says Peter standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men and brethren' or men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then Peter began to expound with understanding a prophecy that applied partly to that time, and of course we know partly to the times of the end. But where did Peter get that knowledge? this was that Peter who, uh, you know, said, well, Jesus Christ, we won't let you die. For some reason, he didn't really have an understanding and a full knowledge at that time that Christ had to die for our sins. This was that Peter. And how many times did Peter not quite understand what Jesus Christ was doing, what the Scriptures really meant, but he was teachable and he learned. But now we come to Acts 2, and notice what he's doing. He's taking a prophecy of Joel and with authority and power begins to give knowledge of what that prophecy meant to those individuals. God gave this Peter, again, a gift of knowledge in a way that he had never had during those three and a half years with Jesus Christ. It just, in a sense, expanded what he knew and understood We go to Acts chapter 18. We have the example of two individuals uh, very well beloved in the church of God at that time, Aquila and Priscilla. In Acts 18, we go to verse 24. A certain Jew named Apollos, now we know later this individual was, again, a powerful speaker, charismatic speaker uh, among the uh, ministers in the church of God. But now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, very zealous, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. His knowledge was good as far as it went, but it was incomplete. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, we don't have a record of uh, Aquila and Priscilla holding any particular office. We do know that they worked seem- seemingly as a husband and wife team very effectively. And notice, with the knowledge that God's Spirit had given them, they were able to take Apollos Kind of under their wing and begin to explain things that he had not understood before. They, they, in a sense, completed his knowledge and education. That shows again how the gift of knowledge can be very powerful in the church of God. Another gift we know is that of faith, and that's certainly combined with mercy. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, practicing or preaching the word uh, to uh, to no one but the Jews only. So they were uh, narrowing it down to that, uh, that group. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. When they had come to Antioch, spoke to the uh, Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great uh, a great uh, number believed and turned to the Lord. And then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent uh, out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had the, uh, had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For this Barnabas was a good man. Notice the gifts that God had given him, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, faith also goes along with with mercy. Now Barnabas had a great deal of faith and therefore... It encouraged brethren to continue with the Lord. So, again, faith works with mercy. Uh, this is the Barnabas who had mercy on uh, John Mark, uh, who when he failed at a certain time in his life, made some mistakes. Barnabas uh, took hold of him, had mercy upon him, and realized that you know, there, there's still some good things that can come out of John Mark. And later on, even the apostle Paul said, Mark is profitable for the ministry. That had to do with the the uh, gifts of God's Spirit in Barnabas. He had faith, he had mercy. He's able to encourage, and strengthen, to admonish. Uh, that was part of Barnabas's gifts. That's how it worked in the Church of God. Then, of course, there is the gifts of healings, Acts nine and verse thirty-two. And uh, these are, of course, very important to us, even in our day and age, as all these gifts are important to us. In uh, this age. But Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through parts of the uh, country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden uh, eight years and was paralyzed. And any of you who have had that affliction, or have cared for someone with that affliction, realize the burdens and the, the difficulties, and uh, you know, how individuals feel trapped in their own bodies. And uh, Peter said to him, Aeneas, as Jesus the Christ heals you, or he, he commands them, you know, Jesus the Christ heals you, arise, make your bed. And then he arose immediately. Now you think about that. You know, again, trapped in his own body, paralyzed, hurting, you know, wanting to have a normal, healthy body. And immediately Peter simply says, you know, Jesus Christ heals you. And immediately he's able to have strength in his body. And his body finally is works. He's liberated uh, from that condition. And so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So it's interesting, again, there's always these connections uh, with Aquila and Priscilla, uh, whether it be the gift of wisdom or knowledge or faith. It always had to do with the work of God, the preaching of the gospel, establishing the power and authority of those whom God was using, uh, helping them to do their work and roles in the church of God. And so he had this wonderful example of healing. In Acts 14... In Acts fourteen, in verse, uh, let's go to verse eight. And in Lystra, a certain man, without strength in his feet, was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Hey, can you imagine that? It'd be like in today's age, uh, you know, a little baby being born but crippled from birth, never able to run and play with the other children. Uh, never learning how to you know, play baseball or shoot the baskets with the other kids his whole life and finally into adulthood uh, crippled, never able to walk and this man heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice stand up straight on your feet and he leaped and he walked. Now notice, it was only not only for that man's benefit, but notice that when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Lyconian language, uh, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They, they knew that Paul was very special. And the Barnabas were men of God. Now, they didn't understand the true God. And so they, they were doing things that Barnabas and Paul would uh, have felt abhorrent. And Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes he, because he was the chief speaker. And then the uh, priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, uh, brought, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they they tore their clothes. They, you know, they were humble about this. And they ran in among the multitudes, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men. You know, with, with, the, with the same nature as you. But notice also it goes on to say, We preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all the things that are in them. Again, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. So again, it is a tremendous miracle of healing, but also showed mercy to this man who had been lame all of his life. And then also used it as an opportunity to show that they were men of God and then who the true God was and the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so again, we, we note that. Then there's the uh, working of of other miracles uh, we know from you know the book of acts uh, when that Pentecost came after uh, uh Christ was resurrected in heaven uh how how many miracles were performed on that day but also acts chapter four and verse twenty three after they had been arrested and uh, threatened uh, the apostles were let go and verse twenty three of acts four they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had done to them. So when they heard that, heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, "'Lord, You are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things?' The kings of the earth took their stand. Rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. You notice the knowledge uh, that was there. It was an application for that time. The same spirit was in uh, those leaders uh, who who had arrested the apostles. But it's a prophecy also for the times of the end. And they understood that. Uh, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed... Uh, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of Of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, you know, here they were asking God's for the gifts of God's Spirit here, and they were talking about signs and wonders. And notice verse thirty one, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with all boldness. So we see how the working of miracles. Uh, involved also the the work of the church, the preaching of the gospel, uh, helping, again, with the conversion and spiritual faith and strength of the church of God. And so we pray for that. And then there is what we call prophecy or inspired preaching, uh, which also involves exhortation. Let's go to Acts 14. Acts 14. In verse one, it happened in uh, Laconium. They went together to the synagogue of the Jews, and notice the next phrase. And so spoke, but a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Now, that's a gift of inspired preach, uh, preaching. Notice, and so spoke. You know, what they said, how they said it their sincerity, their, their emotion, their passion. They so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. Of course, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Uh, therefore, they stayed there a, a long time, speaking boldly, very powerfully in the Lord, uh, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. What I wanted to point that out is that God gives a special gift of speaking, uh, just like He does today. You know, what makes the World Tomorrow telecast so powerful? You know, what What is the difference between what people watch uh, with our program when they hear Mr. Meredith, Mr. Ames, Mr. King, Uh, Mr. Smith, or when the uh, French hear Mr. Part, or the Hispanics hear uh, Mr. Hernandez, why do they respond? Well, God has given the gift of inspired preaching, and people are moved by not only what they say, but how they say it, how God moves them. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, these individuals uh, have that ability and power. In Acts 21, we know... The gift of prophecy can also mean foretelling. Primarily in our our way of thinking, it's the inspired preaching. But Acts 21 and uh, verse 8, On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea, entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and when he had come in, or come came uh, he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, "Thus says the Holy Spirit: So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles." Well, here was a prophecy, uh, again from. Are motivated, inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Now, we learn also a lesson that you have to understand prophecy. What does it mean? How does it apply to us? Because notice verse 12. Now, when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. That's the way they understood the prophecy. They say, well, you know, God's Spirit inspired uh, this prophecy. And the way we look at it is God is saying, Paul, don't go. This is a warning. And yet Paul saw it differently. Again, he also had the Spirit of God and, again, the gift of understanding. And Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus." The way Paul looked at it, it was simply God was preparing him to know what he was going to encounter when he went to Jerusalem. Now, he didn't know whether he would live or die, but he was ready. He understood that that's what the prophecy was was meaning. Uh, So he would not be persuaded and cease saying, and we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. And so, again, we we see, again, the power of of inspired preaching. We also see the, the foretelling, the prophecy, and how also God has to give understanding. Another of the gifts was the discerning of spirits. Let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, you know, do we do we get the point here? The, the, all these different gifts and miracles and manifestations of the Spirit, again continually being connected with the preaching of the word, the preaching of the gospel, of uh, reaching people with the the word of God, the purposes of God, of uh, baptizing those who are being called, warning those who might be a- opposing. And so we we see that again, uh, those who were scattered went everywhere, but they were preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So the gifts of these spirits, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, again, helped with the conversion of these individuals. For unclean spirits, crying with loud, a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And so, God has given the discerning of spirits. You know, know, sometimes there are individuals who are sick, which is normal diseases. But other times, there actually is a spirit personality, an evil, demonic personality, afflicting and hurting and tormenting individuals. And Philip could discern the difference. And so, in some cases, he discerned these were demons... And uh, when he cast them out, they had to come out by the authority of Jesus Christ. But uh, these spirits cried out. You know, they didn't like it. But they had to obey. Then there are others who were paralyzed, you know, with normal sicknesses and other problems. And the, the paralyzed and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So we find that the gifts of God's Spirit in regard to discerning of spirits, uh, showed also mercy to people who had been afflicted by these evil creatures. And people who had been afflicted by sickness and disease uh, were healed. Again, Philip understood the difference. He could discern again when it was an evil spirit. As we go on, it's also interesting that there's a discernment of attitude here, and in this case, uh, an attitude inspired uh, by, by Satan. But Acts chapter 8 and verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, this is Simon Magus, uh, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit uh, was given. He offered them money. He's thinking, I can buy this power. I can buy this gift. Now, brethren, this is unthinkable. Not any of you uh, sitting in this room would have even thought that you could buy an office, buy the power of God, by the Holy Spirit, by the, the gifts of God's Spirit, is unthinkable. But Simon thought this. And he said, You know, give me this power that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sure his thoughts were even before that, but he wanted, he wanted you know, the, the power of, to be an apostle. He wanted the office. He wanted, you know, the ability to, to have and use these gifts of the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. You know, Paul, Paul understood something, or Peter, excuse me, Peter understood what was in the very nature and heart of this man. And he said, Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, that perhaps the thoughts of your, uh, of your heart may be forgiven you. You know, Peter discerned this wrong spirit, this wrong attitude. He could understand what was behind this man. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And Simon answered and said, well, pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. Well, he, that wasn't a repentant spirit. You know, uh, repentance is, is Simon should have said, I will pray. I will pray and fast. And he did not repent in bitterness and tears. But again, God gave, in this case, Philip and then Peter, as we see in this example, discerning of spirits, discerning of, of demonic powers, when people were possessed, and when there was a a wrong spirit or attitude behind someone, uh, Peter got to the very heart of the matter. God gave him that ability to really see these things clearly. And then we come to different kinds of tongues or languages. And we know from 1 Corinthians 14, this would be a sign for unbelievers, frankly. But Acts chapter 10 Acts chapter ten, in verse forty-four, it says, "While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit." it also been poured out on the gentiles and notice how how it how it was verified here for they heard them speak with languages and magnify god so again it wasn't just purposeless language it wasn't gibberish it wasn't some kind of a uh, you know a, a spirit coming over people and they're rolling and moaning and and speaking just meaningless words and phrases they were speaking with distinct languages, and they were magnifying God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that they should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we? So God used this, uh, even though the, uh, some of these uh, Jews who were seeing these things uh, heard the tongues and so on, but they, they just didn't quite understand how God was calling out Gentiles, you know, uncircumcised Gentiles. So, in that sense, even though they were converted members of the Church of God, they just didn't believe this portion of what God was doing. So, God convinced them, helped convince them by pouring out the gift of languages here. And then, once that happened, Peter uh, asked uh, at this point, then can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? The proof was in the pudding. How can you deny the miracles and power of Almighty God? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. So God used the gift of language for a particular reason to convince even those sometimes in the church uh, that uh, God was doing a a certain plan and purpose, fulfilling a certain plan and purpose. Uh, Acts 19 and verse 1. Acts 19, and verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, this is astonished. Uh, Paul here, and so he asked them, "Well, uh, into what then were you baptized?" So they said, "Into John's baptism." Remember that was a, a baptism into repentance. So Paul said, "Yes, John did indeed baptize with the baptism of repentance. You know, it helped set the mind and prepare the mind and spirit, an attitude for the coming of of Christ." Uh, he, he said to the people that they should believe on Him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues or languages and prophesied. So again, we see the gifts were used to establish that that, uh, in this sense, that even though they had a certain knowledge and were baptized by John's baptism, but they it was not again complete. there was more that had to be done. They had to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and then God honored that, and he showed that he honored that by the fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, Now the men that were uh, now the the men were about twelve in all, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning. The things of the kingdom of God. So as we have gone through many of these examples, we're beginning to see how all of these gifts kind of worked and combined in harmony, and there's always that purpose. And so we should again fast and and pray for these spiritual gifts. Uh, you know, the spiritual gifts give gives power to God's people in ministry to do their jobs. Now God, in a sense, has not called the Mighty and the naturally talented individuals, although he has called individuals who have particular jobs and experiences. But when it comes to the kind of things that God wants us to do, uh, none of us humanly are capable of doing those kind of things without added authority and power and ability. And so these spiritual gifts give that ability, that power to God's people and ministry to do the jobs that god has given us these gifts enable the preaching of the gospel and the spreading of god's word throughout the world now we we kind of wonder how do we reach all the world with the message of the gospel well we do our best you know through the means god has given us but you know even our human best is not enough it's going to take the other gifts maybe miracles healings of these gifts to bring attention to God's people. These gifts provide edification or building up and encouragement and comfort the body of Christ. You know, these days and age, you know, how, how encouraging it is when ministers anoint and individuals are healed. God hears those prayers where cancers are healed. Or individuals who've had heart problems, or liver problems, or kidney problems, or or devastating diseases, uh, that they are healed. That encourages God's people. It really strengthens the faith, and uh, the gift of again wisdom. You know, when when uh, brethren have wisdom, and the ministry has wisdom, and the leaders, you know, take those gifts and they lead in a loving and wise, uh, meaningful, faithful way. That strengthens the church. Let's turn to one last scripture. Let's go into, uh, I believe, First Kings is what we want. First Kings 17. I want to leave with other, this one last scripture. Because again, we know that the uh, gifts of God's Spirit have everything to do. But not only showing mercy and uh, doing our work, but of course leading to the knowledge of the kingdom of God. But there's something else that these gifts do for us and for the church of God. Again, in First Kings 17, verse. Uh, let's go to verse uh, 8. Then came the word. Uh, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "Arise, go to Zarephath." which belongs to Zidon, and live there or dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow uh, there to provide for you. So he arose, went to Zarephath. Again, we're talking about, again, a, a uh, prophet, Elijah. Uh, he did. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow, widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and then die. And that's all she had. Elijah said to her, "'Don't fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourselves, uh, for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, "'The bin of flowers shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth.' So he went away and did according to the word of Elijah." or she did, and she and he and her household ate for many days. So she saw this great miracle. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and the sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in her or in him. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. And so he took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid uh, laid on his own uh, bed. Uh, He laid him there. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, Have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray for this child's uh, soul, that his soul will come back to him. His life will be restored. And then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul or the life of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the uh, upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Tremendous miracle of healing. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that you are a man of God, and I know that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Uh, or the Lord, yeah, the word of the Lord is in your mouth is the truth. So we find that final reason, that God, that we should pray and fast for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is so that the world, so that you know humanity, will know that this work is the work of the true God, and that the word of God, the truth, is in our mouths. Well, brethren, again, this shows, again, the working of the fruits of God's Holy Spirit, the gifts, I should say, it shows how they all work together. They're very practical. They're very needed. They are the strength and power of God's church. Let's pray and fast for these special and the very important gifts for His people.